SeatGeeking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Welcome back to another episode. And today is going to be very fun because on the Thinking Basketball YouTube channel to start the year, we have just jumped right in to these exciting rookies. What a rookie class. Asar Thompson, the greatest basketball player of all time. Chet, <laughs> Chet Holmgren, Victor Wembenyama, and, and many more. And Cody, one thing I'm just loving about this year, there's a lot of fun things happening in this season. The NBA Cup is heating up. Tomorrow's Friday. There's another set of games. Teams are going to get eliminated. But you get that early season excitement with young players making a leap, taking a jump. And so I've gotten the rookies out of my system and now my gaze is turning a little bit toward those second-year players, those third-year players, those random fifth-year players who all of a sudden are putting it all together. Uh, I want to talk about guys who are potentially going to be uh, most improved player candidates this year. A couple episodes ago, we did our ballots for... What did we do? Did we do Defensive Player of the Year? Is yeah, we, we started did? with defense, yeah. Yeah, defense, and we're going to come back and try another one. I don't know how many more... We're going to do, but I uh, I liked the framing exercise as a way to talk about some of these players. And certainly this episode was also inspired by a player on my ballot where, I, you know, we're just talking about him. We're talking about someone else. We're talking about their team. Let's see if we can couch this entire thing in who's taking the leap this year. Who are the, who are the most improved players? Who's going to be there at the end of the season? It's a little tricky at the end of the episode when we try to, like, predict the ballot because there are narratives involved, right? And there are historical precedent. They don't love to give most improved player to like a second year player. We talked about this a couple years ago with Luka Doncic. Remember that? No, I don't. You know, I, I, I was going to ask you philosophically how you feel about giving MIP to a to a second year player. Because I know some people are like really staunchly against it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't know where you sat with that. Uh, I usually like to give it's a, I I admit this is weird. I'm not saying everyone should do this, but I like to give most improved player to the player. I think improve the most. That's what it's, it's a strange, no, it's weird. Cause some people are, they just think like the second year player automatically is moving up the aging curve, but I don't think it's anything automatic at all. And so in the case of, I think it was the 2020 season, Luca ended up finishing like second or third. Mm-hmm. But if you remember, that was the year, I think at the end of his rookie year, you could argue he was like a top 50 player. He was a really good player as a rookie. But the difference between that and jumping to even an all-star, and he jumped into like top 10 conversations, and he had one of the best age 20 seasons or whatever it was of all time. I think you and I have talked about some of the best young seasons ever in that Luca season. Like, I just don't get taking that for granted. I, I sort of that's where I come from. So I, I don't I don't think there's anything sort of wrong about grading the second year players on a curve. But for me, when I think about like who's going to take the leap, second year, third year, fourth year, it doesn't matter. Uh, I don't think we should take any of it for granted. And when you come back and you're incredible in year two after year one, I think we're seeing it with the last few draft classes. You can't just automatically assume that your second year improvement is going to make you way, way, way better. How do you feel about, like, we just talked about Luca. He jumped from maybe like a top 50 player at the end of his rookie year, and he jumps up to a player that's approaching however good he ended up being. Do you, is it kind of like the scalability curve here? Do you uh, award someone, for lack of better terms here, do you reward somebody for uh, going from like good to great as opposed to being like, oh, this bench player is all of a sudden like a rotation player, or this like, eighth man is now like a starter like do you do you uh measure all of those equally or do you care if you make that higher jump more well i think i'm a little more impressed going from like a plus two to a plus four than going from zero to plus two would you agree with that okay maybe you, maybe? maybe okay well i think because the other part is actually more important to me which is you actually see more differentiation a lot of the time for players who in luca's case like if you're a top 10 player in the league you're a power mover. You're this is this is not a, a, a sort of an even distribution we see in basketball. Those guys move the needle. They change everything. They give you championship equity. You can build a team around them. So oftentimes what happens is you go from like a neutral player to one of the best players in the league. You might be like five points better 
per game or something like that. And so the only way to even touch that is be literally one of the worst players in the league and then jump up to become like an average or above average player. So I just think oftentimes when you go from that, like I'm a top 50, top 80 player to being a top 15 player, an all NBA player, a, a MVP candidate, I think you actually grow more than any other player. So that's the other part of that second year tax that a lot of voters give that I, I don't always uh, love because I just think I just don't think you should take it for granted. But that's just me. I, I agree with what you're saying in general, but and I don't want to go too much into it right now because it relates to somebody that's going to score very highly for me. You have when a second a pl- you have a second year player high on your ballot. No, I, I was going to say what you were saying about like the increases from okay, like a zero okay. to a two for a two to a four is like if you go from whatever you're at to a point where like you can now give your team ki- some kind of like functional direction. I value that pretty highly, right? So even though you're not like an MVP level player, it's like, oh, wow, you've like created yourself. You've turned yourself into this player that can give your team a little bit more structure. And I think I value that a little bit more, even if you're still like just kind of molding yourself into a role player, that specific role might be really important to your team's overall direction. So I think that might be a specific instance where I'm like, eh, I might lean towards this a little bit more here. I do think the last part of the equation that's worth mentioning before we dive in is that it's two moving targets with most improved player, not one. So you're, you're trying to figure out how good someone is right now and then compare them to how good you thought they were in the past. Mm-hmm. And so that introduces these like two points of disagreement for voters where you may say, hey, that guy was good last year. You didn't notice or something like that. Or you may have a player who puts up similar volume stats, but got way better across the board, way better as a defender, way better as a passer. His team's way better. His shooting is way better. And so someone might look at that and say he didn't improve that much because your estimation of where they were the year before was already high, whereas you or I might say, he, yeah, that guy's not even a top 100 player last year, and now he put it all together. That kind of thing makes it really fun. So let me just, as a refresher, because I wanted to look this up myself, uh, talk about who won the last couple years before we dive in here. In 2021, Julius Randle won in a landslide. He made his first all-star team that year. So there's this thing of like, are you going to win most improved player if you've made an all-star team in the past? Probably not. That's another voter trend I think we've seen. Another one for me is like, what if you were kind of good and then had a really bad year last year and then came back and you were a little better than you were two years ago? You set a new peak. That's another thing that I don't think usually gets rewarded, even though technically you could say from one year to the next, it was a huge improvement. So Randall won in 2021. He actually made all NBA second team that season. In 2022, it was John Morant who made his first all-star team. Uh, DeJounte Murray finished second and Darius Garland finished third, I think. Those guys also made all-star teams for the first time. And last year, we had a similar pattern where Lowry Markkinen won most improved player. He made the all-star team. Uh, Jalen Brunson finished top three. He made his first all-star team. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander also, he actually ended up finishing first team all NBA. That was, that was top three on the ballot. So a little precedent there for how voters have voted in the past. Um, where would you like to start before we jump in or when we jump in? Well, hmm, this is really tough. So I think last time we kind of did it where we just like threw out some names and talked them out a little bit more. But first, I think, Ben, it wouldn't be a thinking basketball episode if like we didn't spend 15, 20 minutes talking about our philosophy of getting into it first. So before we get here, let me give you something to shove into your pipe, sir, and smoke it before we forget it, right? So we, we both need to remember this one because last time we had a little bit of, of trouble remembering the questions we asked each other. What are, um, what are the sorts of things you look for? I don't know if that's a broad question, but what are the sorts of things you look for in a player that uh, you consider to be improving? Like, are there big statistical indicators that you're like, okay, this usually means that they improved and it's not just some kind of luck? Or is there something like specific you're looking for when they're out on the court? That's a great question. And I'm so mad at you for asking it because I thought I thought we were going to be in and out with a seven or eight minute philosophical segue. Get right. That's very snappy for us to only have a seven minute introduction before we dive into something. Um, I think there are statistical indicators you look for in the overall numbers, uh, something like uh, box plus minus or like a one number catch-all metric that can kind of give you a guide for how much more impactful a player is. But Cody, I really look at like, is there a big shooting jump? 
So I'm looking at shooting indicators and I'm also realizing that shooting in small samples is hard to judge. So I want to look at the shot selection. I want to look at the shot form. I want to look at the confidence. Uh, is the player shooting off the dribble more? Are there more actions being run for him off ball? And early in the season, especially, that's kind of how I'm calibrating. I remember a couple years ago, we had big shooting jumps from players like Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. And you're trying to sort of figure out at the beginning of the year, how huge is the shooting jump? Because that's a massive thing for some players that can unlock a ton of stuff. The other thing is on film, I'm really looking for physical changes in the player. Are they in better condition? Do they look stronger? Do they look faster? And then you can start matching that up with, okay, do I see this guy? um, Does he have improved ball handling? Does he have improved burst? Now he's getting downhill in a way I've never seen. Now he's finishing at the rim in a way I've never seen. What about decision makings and the uh, decision making and the way someone reads the floor? So I think of like Jason Tatum a couple of years ago and the development of him going from a guy who struggled to make a variety of pick and roll passes out of different situations. And then you see like, okay, he's starting to hit the skip pass. He's starting to go to the corner. He's starting to throw them off one hand. He's starting to anticipate them a little bit. So this is sort of the, those are the general things I look for offensively for players and defensively, uh, along with just your, your physical improvement. It's like, is he more communicative? Is he in better positions? Is he getting beat less? That's kind of my high level net that I, my little rubric in my head that I go through when I think about what I'm seeing improvement wise from a player in a new season. I think that that awareness aspect of it is definitely something I look for. Like when I'm watching somebody, especially somebody that maybe had more of a ancillary role, maybe like I said, seventh man, eighth man. But like when you got to the playoffs, they just seemed a little bit lost. I want to see how lost they look this year. Like, am I seeing them in like these defensive schemes where I'm like, oh, wow, this is the kind of guy that's going to be able to play some minutes in the playoffs. Like, I don't think he's quite as lost as he was before. Those are sorts of things to look for. I do find the, like, shooting improvement aspect to be really beguiling because it's really easy to look and be like, look, so-and-so shot 36% from three last year, and right now they're shooting 43%. That seven percentage point jump is going to be the best shooting in the... And, like, it's really tough to parse out what's real and what isn't real, what's feeding into an overall relative true shooting percentage. So uh, I, I think those are kind of numbers I try and shy away from. And I think if we look at the thinkingbasketball.net database that's available to uh, Patreon subscribers, I, I like the looking at things like passer rating. Mm-hmm. Stuff that's trying to capture like passing ability or even box creation. How many more opportunities are they creating for their teammates? And obviously, I'm not just taking that and being like, oh, look, they jumped up this many points. But it gives me something to be like, hey, I'm going to go check this guy out and see if he's actually passing a little bit better. Is he making these reads better on the court? So I think it goes both ways. I start with the film and go to stats. And sometimes I'll see a stat and be like, really? Is he that much better? And then go check it out for myself. So I guess it's kind of it depends on where I am and what I'm looking at when I'm scouting these guys. Yeah, that's a great point. And specifically with uh, something like passing, when you are looking at that, guards that are young usually have like higher turnovers and it's a reflection in my estimation usually of the game being fast and learning how to process things and then you get to like that second or third year you trim all that fat off all of a sudden your assist to turnover ratios are better you're just more efficient at making these kinds of reads to your point then you go pull up the film and you see them basically making better plays and fewer bad plays i i have a question about shooting Mm. um Let's take a player <laughs> who, who plays in New York. Let's let's take R.J. Barrett. Okay. R.J. Barrett's averaged basically 20 points a game for this will be his third consecutive year. But his his rookie season, he shot 61% from the free throw line. Hmm. This is, this is R.J. Barrett, New York. 61% from the free throw line. He shot 32% from downtown. Last year, he shot 31% from downtown. Uh, a little lower than his overall four-year career numbers, which are about low 30s. And his free throw percentage was up to 74%. This year he's come in, he's only played seven games. So obviously this is, to your point, small sample in shooting. But you look at it and you say, okay, he's shooting 85% from the free throw line to start the year. Is that an indicator that his shot has improved? Because he's made half his threes. He's made 20 of his 43s. And what happens to a player like that if the shooting improvement is legit? Is that something you've been waiting for? Uh, If you're a Knicks fan, probably, of course. 
Um, but yes, these are the things that when I cast the net, and I'm not sure I'm going to have R.J. Barrett in my final ballot here, but like this is kind of what you're playing with, I think. I think R.J. Really, Barrett is really interesting because if you took him from like two years ago and you jumped to this season... I think he'd be a clear, like, top-of-the-line candidate for me, right? And I think we saw some of the improvements in the playoffs last year. Like, I was pretty down on him for a good portion of the regular season last year. But there were times in the playoffs where, like, when he, de- when he decided not to shoot Ben, when he was like, what if I use my athleticism to put the ball on the court and go towards the basket? And then stuff started happening. I was like, look at this guy. Look at him in the playoffs. He can beat some people off the dribble, in, and he he causes uh, defenses to collapse down on him. If he can start passing out of that, and he can start making some of those reads, then we have a player. And I think he's started to add that slowly but surely. And if he starts putting all of that together, we're definitely going to have a full, complete player. But it definitely hasn't been like so much that I'm like, yeah, he's a top candidate for me. All right, let's get juicy. Let me ask you about a player. How do you feel about Anthony Edwards? Oh, Ooh, you're really going for the going for the bull's horns on the first. Well, one. it goes not, back you know. to our philosophical question. I mean, he already made an all-star team. Do you think? Do you think someone like that can get any traction? Can I ask you a question in response to your question? Is it about another player? No, it's about Anthony Edwards. Okay, yeah. Okay. Do you think he's that much better than what we saw in the playoffs last year? Right now. Not really. No, I think he's better. I think he's better. And I think I still need a, a full season and really some more postseason, like how is he going to do against high-level teams and things like that. I'm hoping we get a glimpse, Cody. I'm hoping we just get a little mini glimpse in the NBA Cup, the in-season tournament. I'm fascinated to see if we get to some single elimination games, if they'll shorten the roster, the sh- shorten the bench at the end of the game and things like that, change the coverages because they have time to plan for their next opponent. So I'm still going to be looking for that. But as of right now, uh, not for me. It's not a huge jump. But that's why it's an interesting philosophical question. We're not talking about a player going from like the 50th best player to a top 10 player. We're talking about a player who was an all-star last year. I think at the end of the season in the playoffs, he certainly played like a top 25, top 30 player, whatever that cutoff is. And now he looks a little better to me, but I'm not sure if he's, you know, when we get to the end of the year, if he's a top 10 player yet. So it's it's a, it's an interesting question. Yeah. I'm not going to tread the ground too much because I talked about it a little bit last episode, but while he has improved a little bit more, I do think there are a couple key places that are like capping his ceiling right now, right? Mostly the like... Uh, decision-making on offense, not going into hero ball mode, and then some of those passing reads that I still want to see him make. And I don't think I've seen him make much of a jump at all in either of those, right? And I'm sure somebody's going to send me some, like, check out this kickout pass that Anthony Edwards threw against so-and-so. And I'm like, great, good. That's a wonderful little pass. That's that's great. But, like, the fact of the matter is he still goes into his nice 19-foot pull-up jumper, and sometimes I'm like, I just want once want to see him go into it, look at the rim, and be like, not this time. Not this time. And then go make a different decision. And then once I see that starting to happen more and more, when I see some of the fat being cut out, um, you know, then I think I'll I'll be a little bit higher. But here's the thing about fat, Ben. You know, fat adds flavor to your cooking. So it's okay to have a little bit of fat. Like your best player can can get in a little bit of that pull-up mid-range game, but it can't be your whole thing. You can't eat a whole meal of fat, man. You can't eat a whole meal of fat. Is this going to be a weekly rant from you about Anthony Edwards' shot selection? I think so. Speaking of we can't eat fat, like things are just different, Ben. Like my, I, I, I heard that one of my grandfather's favorite like desserts was he would just like take the fat left over from the meat and just eat it like the gristle. Yes. Just eat oh, that. yeah, that's fantastic. This is yeah. great. Smoking and drinking and, and eating the fat killed him at 96 finally. So, you know. Healthcare. Where, where what are we talking about? I Anthony don't know Edwards. where you're going. I'll, I'll, so, I'll, I just want to say, I just want to say that Anthony Edwards, uh, I have seen some clips of a little improvement in the area you're talking about. And um, Mike Conley, I believe the, the report is that Mike Conley has been working with him on some of the reads, playmaking reads, pick and roll reads. And I have seen a couple of critical plays. I okay. think he had one late in the Celtics game. I'm trying to remember. Uh, maybe it was a totally different game. Maybe it was the Nuggets. I think it was the Nuggets now. I'm getting the game. All the games, Cody, are bleeding together. They're all the same game. You know what I'm talking about? Like the Sixers last yeah. night played the Celtics, but they also played the Bucks, and they lost to the Suns who beat the Lakers. And do you remember when Jokic hit the shot at the end of the game? They were all on the court at the same time. Uh, all that is to say, I do think 
I do think there's been a little improvement there. And going back to what I said earlier about Tatum, it'll be really interesting to see by the time we get to the playoffs if he's able to pick teams apart, not at the level of the best players, but like they throw different coverages at him and he's able to say, this is when I need to drive to the hoop. This is when I need to take one of my juicy, grisly 15-footers that Cody loves when I take. And this is when I need to find a way to create an opening for a teammate and get a kick out. Uh, That is something that I am looking for with him. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you think you see a little bit more. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for him, but maybe even just a little bit more, a little bit more. Okay. I have been waiting this entire time, maybe like 20 minutes, uh, to... Can I just say someone who's on my ballot? Can I do that? Oh, you're going to start with... Okay. Hit me with a ballot. Or, or do you just want me to do you just want me to say names, and then at the end, I will tell you who I'm going to put on my ballot? Let's... Oh, this is really interesting. Maybe we just say names. I think we just say names, and at the end, we put the ballots. Okay. So start, Ter- start, mix, start mixing in some ballot names and just don't even tell me. We'll assume that none of them are until the end. Terry Porter. I just want to say, oh we'll just God. say names. Yeah. Listen, listen, when is that episode <laughs> coming? Because I will drop everything and do a full Terry Porter breakdown. Okay. Um, let's do, I want to ask you, I just want to talk about Jalen Johnson. Can we just talk about Jalen Johnson for a little bit, please? God, I was so glad you brought him up. I'm so glad yeah. you brought Jalen. Go ahead. Up. Cook. Okay, so Jalen Johnson. This is a dude that... uh, He plays for the Atlanta Hawks, by the way, if people are wondering uh, who we're talking about. Came on in the playoffs last year, now is in the starting lineup, and Cody's going to tell you how he reminds me a little bit of a modern Robert Ory. Go ahead. Uh, Oh, oh, that's a a really nice one. So I I think what's really interesting about him is he still watches roll out on the court, and that is his role, is he sets a lot of screens, and he rolls a lot. But now something he's getting it a little bit more that three-point shot, Ben, you can trust it a little bit more. You actually have to go out and cover it, right? He's going to be a weapon out there. Also, you close out on him, he can he can put the ball on the floor for a couple of dribbles. You know, he's not going to, like, blow through any kind of defense and cause any kind of craziness that way. But he can take a couple of dribbles and make a nice little pass once in a while. It's just a little bit more of an expanded role. Along with Ben, I think the thing that's almost impressing me the most is defensively, he just looks like he belongs. Like, you have Clint Capella going out and maybe, like, hedging against a pick and roll or something. Jalen Johnson slots down by by the rim. They don't lose any size. They don't l- lose any vertical athleticism. And when I see him making those kinds of plays, I'm immediately like, wow, bring me the playoffs now because this guy's not going to get punked out there. Like, this is a dude that, especially with a team that needs a little bit more coverage with somebody like Trey Young, where you have a lot of these rangier defensive players, he fits in really nicely with that system they have. And, you know, he's, he's just a guy that can play 30 minutes a game now. He went from whatever, 15 minutes a game, and he can consistently play 30 minutes, and I trust him. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things you asked me at the top, what do I look at? Sometimes the coaches trust and just looking at minutes per game increase on a team that's competitive. Why is a competitive team suddenly playing a guy that played 10 minutes a game last year, 35 minutes a game? That kind of question, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes you look at it and it's a massive master roster hole and they need somebody to fill in. But in this case, the Hawks have been pretty competitive to start the year. The, the Hawks have actually kind of been good. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade after the yeah. first 11 or 12 games. They, they've been pretty good in Atlanta. And Jalen Johnson last year played 15 minutes a game. He had this moment at the end of the year, and I think it was the play-in tournament, and maybe a little bit in the Celtics series where he had this unbelievable rebounding, an offensive rebounding. I think it was in the play-in game. He had a bunch of offensive rebounds down the stretch and just looked great physically. But he looks even better physically this year, like a little weight room action in the offseason, you know, having, having the protein powder. He's been he's been uh, taking his supplements. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. Some fish oils, some creatine. You so know, they're, they're getting the creatine in the system. Yeah, he's so 30 minutes a game. He's averaging 15 points a game, eight rebounds, two assists. He's shooting 47 percent from three. Now he's only ha- taken a handful of threes. He's not going to be a great volume three point shooter. But I think we brought him up in one of our summer episodes about players to look for improving, the thing that is really getting to me here, Cody, is like his shot looks like it could be an okay NBA shot. And I did not see that happening. And so now you've got a guy who could be a really good defender, really active body. Like you said, he can, he can roll to the basket and play as a screener, but he can also pop. He can cut 
and crash well. And then this is the Robert Ory part. And he's never probably going to be the spacer and shooter that Robert Ory was. But the most underrated thing about Robert Ory to me, who was probably an underrated player to begin with, he's a really good player for a long time, this extra passing. He's not the primary guy, but he makes smart passes. Top of the key, the ball hits him, entry pass, pass to a cutter, or in the short roll situation or in transition or whatever it is. So you put all that together and it's like, yeah, there's a reason he's starting and playing 30 plus minutes for a really good team because he's he, he's like a really solid all-around player right now. And, and last year was basically an afterthought for most of the season. Actually, I'm interested in this. I need I need to deep dive this a little bit more. I was looking at the team stats right now, and uh, I'm pretty shocked to see that Atlanta's defense is actually worse than league average. I need I probably need to parse that out to see the Trey Young effect on that. Because when I look out and I see a lineup that has Dejounte Murray, it's Clint Capella, uh, you know, Jalen Johnson, um, Anyaka Okongwu. I'm like, hey, these are some good defensive players. They should be pretty solid out there. Uh, this is a little besides the point, but I am interested. With Jalen Johnson, like you said, he hit the weight room. He looks pretty – he's solid out there, and he's still athletic. I'm always interested with guys like that in how much muscle he actually wants to put on at this point, right? Because he's built – like he's he's a dude out there right now, right? Like he's – like I said, he's not getting punked in the paint at any point. But like how much bigger does he actually want to get? Because the other thing I really like about him is just how fluid of an athlete he is. Like he's one of these guys that just floats around the court and can all of a sudden get vertical and block you, can sprint down the court as a big man, can go down and guard threes sometimes too. So I don't know. I think that's going to be a really interesting thing going forward. I think the Anthony Davis of it all, when he put on a lot of weight and we were like, oh, let's maybe we need to bring it back a little bit, the Tim Duncan sort of workout routine. Uh, so I'm interested to see how Jalen Johnson's just like physicality changes uh, throughout the years. But um, I, lo- I love what he's looking like right now. I really yeah. do. Yeah, it's not it's not a Trey Young thing, or sorry, it's not a Jalen Johnson thing. Uh, when Jalen Johnson's on the court, the Hawks' defensive rating is in the 80th percentile in the league, so they've been very successful with him. And that's another thing I look for with these like young and up and coming players. Very small sample so far, but it is always nice to see that positive on court value. Like when you're on the floor, your team does really well. In the case of Jalen Johnson, early in the year when he goes to the bench. Hawks don't do as well. Um, Cody, when he's on the court with Trey Young, they have a 108 defensive rating. When he's off the court, uh, or sorry, when Trey Young's off the court and Jalen Johnson's out there, the Hawks have a 108 defensive rating. So uh, this will not be pinned on Jalen on my watch. How about that? Okay. Now, yeah. I was I was wondering if it should be pinned on Trey, but I, I like that on off without uh, Trey Young. So that that matches what I was seeing. Because whenever I watched them play and he was on the court, I'm like, this is a solid defense. What's going on here? So um, I think it's probably safe to say that he's. Uh, going to be coming up later in our conversation. Do you want me to bring up a player, Ben? Yeah, go for it. I'm ready to end the episode now that we've yeah. talked about Jalen Johnson. I'm <laughs> crossed my T's and dotted my eye. Go for it. I'm going to swing for the fences on this one because I think th- this is a hot player. This simmer is a hot down. Player. Simmer okay. down now. There's Where are you no going? Simmer. Where are you taking us? Okay. This is a hot player, Ben, because he actually finished top five, top six in most improved player last year. And I want to know if he's made a jump again. What do you feel about Tyrese Halliburton? He's already an all-star last year. So I'm very confused because I do think he started the season better. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Do I think it's a huge jump? Do I am I am I looking at Tyrese Halliburton right now and being like this guy is a fringy MVP candidate or something? Not quite yet. But of course, I've been telling you the the Pacers are like a sneaky little team. You have. Yeah, so how do you square that circle? I don't know, because Tyrese has been really good, and I think he is pretty integral to what they do. Um, the The pace and the passing and the way he's shooting. Now here, here's what's weird about it, Cody. Let's get philosophical again. I love it. Okay. Tyrese's game last year, I don't know from what I've seen in the small early part of the season that he's like added anything new. I feel like he just got more Halliburton-y. He's like, he's like, you know what I need to do? I need to do even more pull-up threes and more sidestep threes, and I need to pass even quicker. You guys thought the outlet pass in under a second was fun? How about an outlet pass in under half a second? Let's play that way all the time. Three-point shooters, I need to hit you all the time. It just feels like he's dialed up the essence of himself. He's, he's, he's a Tyrese extract. That's what he's done this year. <laughs> it's it's almost like, I'm, I'm going to say Steve Nash's name, but I don't actually mean to compare them. But part of me was when I was watching him and I was thinking about Hal Burton, I was like, okay, 
it's the fact that their offense is just better this year and the spacing of the system allows him to look more successful out there. But then I'm like, well, what if this is like a seven seconds or less kind of situation where the system runs so smoothly because Tyrese Halliburton is so Tyrese Halliburton. He, he's his own extract, like you said. But I'm glad you brought up the snappy. Like, I, this man has to be the quickest passer in the league. Like, the, the, he'll, like, extra pass, he catches it, and he, like, shows it off by putting his hands away sometimes. It's like, you know, putting it back in the holster, and it's like, whoops, where did it go? It's just really fantastic to watch the on-off, Ben, plus 22.7 net on-off for the team. Whoa, whoa. Like, yeah, those are some Jokic-type numbers out there. They have, I, I don't know, are they still the second-best offense in the league? Or I mean, the third-best offense in the league? I'm trying to scroll this right now, but I'm dealing with the internet, so this they, is they are they are they are in the top. <laughs> this is, they are in the top three in offense. Yeah, you're They're not number slow, one. You're not slowing down that Pacers machine, Cody. You're not slowing it down. So I this is this is a part for the preseason that I was uh, I was really wrong about the Pacers. You were right. This is a fun team, and uh, Tal Halliburton, Tyrese Halliburton, is at the helm of it, and I think he's at least a name you have to bring up for this conversation. I mean, you're making good points. Can I can I lean in a little more with you? Please. please. Um, Tyrese Halliburton is second in our box plus minus model in the entire league. He is second in our augmented plus minus model because the Pacers are plus 10 with him on the court. And as you said, they're minus 13 per 100. They're being outscored by 13 points per 100 when he goes to the bench. They have a 128 offensive rating when he's on the floor. A 128 offensive rating. Uh, he is number one in our offensive box plus minus model in the league. And we have this fun little stat that tries to figure out how valuable scoring is. It's, it's a fruitless endeavor, but we'll, we'll ask the numbers to crunch it anyway. And he has the highest play, playmaking value stat in the history of our database right now. So he is absolutely cooking out there and, he, and like you said he was good last year but just for some comparison he's like two and a half points better in our offensive box plus minus model four points better overall the Pacers had a 119 offensive rating with him on the court last year which was great he did great last year but uh what did I say 128 or 129 I 128, mean yeah yeah so we'll just leave that there we'll just leave that there to simmer but he is obviously one of the best passers in the league and I just think extracting more Tyrese out of Tyrese apparently is a way to keep making yourself better and just really fascinating player to keep an eye on. Absolutely. And I'm nervous about the repeats being in the award watch two years in a row. So we'll, we'll see how that factors in uh, when we get to the end here. Um, yeah. Let me throw out another name for you. Okay. This is exciting. I throw out another name. Yeah. This is uh, one of your favorite players, teammates. Asar Thompson's plays for the Pistons. Plays for the Pistons. Yeah. Who's this going to be? Jalen Duran. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. I'm wondering, uh, does he get the second year player tax? Mm. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Because Jalen Duran is like, when I watch my Pistons, okay, when I I watch my Detroit Pistons, I think sometimes like, okay, where they have like three and a half players. That's what I think. Okay. Everything is everything is built around Jalen and Cade Cunningham and obviously Sar Thompson, who's the greatest player of all time. Um, and then they have these other players who are trying to find their footing. And you know, Marcus Sasser is a fun little rookie off the bench. And you know, Alec Burks can play, but he's in and out of the lineup. So it's a, we haven't seen it, it's you see this with rebuilding teams. They're not out there trying to scrape out forty or thirty-five wins. Just in the same way that the Rockets last year had all this flopsum on the ro- roster, right? Just all these moving parts. And um, and then you come back this year and you say, okay, we're going to put adults in the room. And now we have six or seven players who really know how to play. The Pistons don't quite have that yet. And so does that mask how good Jalen Duran is? Does it um, make him look a little better because the team isn't competitive? I don't know the answers to these questions, but I do know that when I watch my Pistons, He's re- he's good. Like he's and he's so young. Has he not even turned twenty yet? It's amazing. Nope. It's no. amazing. Yeah. No, I was like, I don't know who he was playing the other day, but he was like nineteen. He was posting up against someone who was like thirty six, and I'm like, oh wow, this is this is like twice his age out there right now. The thing about Jalen Duren is like the the improvement that we haven't seen. I don't I don't necessarily think we will see it, uh, just from the evidence of his career. Is he doesn't space the floor at all. 
right? He's not somebody that you're going to trust with a jump shot at any point. But that doesn't mean you can leave him alone, okay? Because especially if he gets the ball, what I've liked a couple times, see, he dribbles a little bit. He can get a little fancy with the dribble. And not only that, Ben, he passes not a lot, right? Not just because he doesn't get a ton of opportunities to pass. Like, I'm not calling him a ball hog or anything. He's just not in that situation very often. But when he is there, some of the interior bounce passes, some of the general looks to get the ball moving, I'm like, okay, this is a guy that offensively, he could grease the grooves a little bit more. And then defensively, last year, he boasted some like really good defensive, when you're around the rim, players shoot worse against him. But I also thought positionally, not great stuff all the time, right? I thought guards could pretty easily get their body into him, kind of throw him off, finish. He wasn't deterring players from really getting to the rim. And I'm seeing a little bit more awareness this year, right? A little bit more. And you're just going to... People out there, you just got to trust me a little bit on this one, right? I don't know if num- any kind of numbers are going to bear it out, but he looks a little bit more aware on defense. And I think all of those together, as a 19-year-old, I'm like, this is a starting center that I trust on a on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And of course, uh, defense is his calling card, and to have that at 19 is exciting. Did you think that he would be the piston this year? Who you would? Ha- I mean, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Do you have him higher than Cade Cunningham on your? Uh, hypothetical most improved player prediction award ballot. Yeah, for, first of all, first of all, I'm laughing because I thought you were stopping the sentence at. Did you think he was the piston? And I was like, maybe every team should award someone on their team like the mascot name. Like, who is the piston this year? Who is the Cavalier? So I think every team needs to award the the team player this year. So I don't know. I did not think he was going to be the piston. I I thought Cade Cunningham would have more of a jump. I thought Cade Cunningham looked like he was making a jump early on. I don't know how huge of a jump that is at this point. What do you think about Cade Cunningham? What do you think about his improvement this season? I I just want to point out, by the way, before we forget, that Jalen Duran does have rim protection numbers. We have these numbers that we use around these parts to try to estimate your effect on opponent shooting around the basket. Jalen Duran does have numbers that support Cody's fantasies here about him being a good defender. Um, Cade looks... I like what I see physically from Cade. He looks pretty good. He's got better control of the game. His he's you know he's the selling point for him is like Luca, right? He's big and broad and can control the ball and make decisions. Um, some of the passing could be there. The mid he's really really leaning into the mid range a lot. <laughs> the the challenge with Cade is the shooting. And essentially the efficiency, and it's a double-edged sword, I think, Cody. You might have the numbers in front of you. I don't. But it's a double-edged sword because the outside shooting is a big question mark still. It's been a problem. Let, let's let's just be frank. It's just been a problem. You really need to get that up to a higher floor. You can't shoot 29 or 30% from three and struggle from the outside and live off a diet of that. You have to be much higher. Then... The second, ed, uh, second end of the sword that's a problem is he doesn't get to the basket and, and put just a ton of pressure on the rim or free throw line to get those easy points. So what I see is a player who is much better than his rookie year in terms of command of the game, and that gives me optimism, but I still have a wide range in my head, not just for his ceiling, but like what is he going to be in the next few years as he matures and hits his prime? Because I, maybe you have his numbers up. The the efficiency right now is still continuing to be a real problem for him on offense. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at giving you the percentiles here. This season, his mid-range field goal percentage is 40th percentile, shooting 39%. On 93rd percentile volume, yep. Yep. so he's taking a ton of them relative to the rest of the league. His three-year or his, his wide-open three-point percentage from this year and his, his previous season, uh, 32% just 15th percentile. Mm, mm. Uh, not good stuff, Ben. Yeah. For somebody, this is this is the challenge when you have a guy whose main skill on offense is passing the ball, is creating for other players, right? It's kind of like the Rondo problem where like if you're not going to be able to put that much pressure offensively uh, on the other team, you're capped at how much you're actually going to be able to create for people because at a certain point, teams are going to be like, well, we just want you to shoot the ball, right? We're not going to give you the opportunity to like create these better shots for these players. And honestly, I don't know if I've seen things that make him like that good of a passer that he can kind of, you know, outweigh these shooting woes. But I got to say, isn't he shooting like 87% from the free throw line this year? So I'm not really sure what's going on with the jump shot and the free throw. So I'm I'm not sure what's up with him. Yeah. 88% from the line. Um, 
but and he's taking a ton of mid rangers and, and he looks comfortable and the shot looks better and mm-hmm. so I, I I'm not selling it at all I'm I'm not oh, I'm no, not no. punting and getting rid of my stock at all it's just it's still a lot of questions up in the air he gets to the he gets to the basket area plenty because of that size but his true shooting percentage at the basket is in the 35th percentile it's under 50 percent on his drives you don't want that at all um, mm-hmm. so yeah. I don't know. Big questions there. Can I ask you about one of his draft classmates? Draft classmates. Another third-year player. Who? What year was he even drafted in? Was he 2021? 2021. Yeah, 2021. 2021. Yeah. Honestly, is, if you gave me like five minutes to guess anyone else, I'd, I couldn't come up with it. I'm drawing a blank. Is Scotty Barnes on your radar? Oh, Scotty Barnes is on the radar. <laughs> Scott, Scotty Barnes is a big... Just a boop, Scotty B. Boop. Right, he's out there, right? You can definitely see him. I think I th- the question with Scotty right now is how real is that jump shot? Because not only is he hitting it at a higher percentage, like it's not a, it's not an enormous percentage. He's not a knockdown three-point shooter, but he was bad, and now he's just like a little below average, but he's doing it on significantly more volume from the three-point line, right? He, he's, he's nearly doubled, not quite doubled the amount of three-point attempts per 100 he's taking uh, from last season. But honestly, Ben, the thing with Barnes is just like, the movement, right? There, there's something about him, kind of like we were talking about with Jalen Johnson. It's not quite the like strength that Johnson has, but it's like the fluidity around the court, right? Like he's moving into spaces more that helps him get these secondary passes that he's so good at. It helps him defensively where he is just an absolute tear. Oh my God, I thought this guy had a high motor last year. This year he's blowing it out of the water. They're like, he's starting over here and he's like, oh my God, someone in the opposite corner and he sprints over and it's like, there's no way he can get to it. But like, a Scotty Barnes charging at you has to do something to your psyche when you're taking that shot. So, uh, yeah, just a few different areas where I'm like, this is the kind of improvement I expected to see last year from Scotty Barnes. Yeah, you, I completely agree with everything you just said. I think we can move on. I mean, I have I have nothing more to add. I was even going to say, like, it's the Jalen Johnson thing all over again, <laughs> even down to how real the shot is, because it's not just the, the shot. It's... He looks great physically. He's got a little more burst. He's moving well. He hasn't necessarily been just like in the weight room. He's been working on that. Like I have a sprint coach and I know how to get out of the blocks faster. That kind of thing. And then the command of the game, putting them on ball and making the decisions. They're better to me than they were last season. But again, it's a philosophical question of like, can you take a player that was that good as a rookie or considered that good as a rookie was on everyone's radar last season. And without him, like, I think the the all-star game is the big thing. I think if he makes the all-star team, then he's going to be on everyone's radar for most improved player. I think if he misses the all-star game without having like a huge jump in some of the raw numbers, because I think his raw numbers are fairly similar. They're in like the same ballpark ish. He was 15 points a game last year, and he's at 21 right now. But if he were to hold this and make All-Star, 21 points, 10 boards, 6 assists, I think that would I think that would hit everyone's radar pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess that depends on how good the Raptors are going to end up being. I don't know. For some reason, I'm not, it. Yep. I'm, I'm not crazy about his All-Star chances. I haven't like tried to map that out, but... Uh... I don't know. I think if he has a six, like not to get like normie about it here, but if he has a six point per game increase on top of other things, like I think there's a pretty solid chance he's going to be uh, on people's, like you just said, on people's radar for MIP. Does MIP sound like, what am I thinking? It's like Mission Impossible. Isn't that literally what they use for that? Like MIP, Scotty Barnes? I think I think Mission Impossible is MI. You say I saw MI5 for it. What, where did MI the P come from with Mission Impossible? I guess the P impossible. I, I feel like you added that. Or is is actually last time the chicken wing was a thing, so I'm taking it back. MIP <laughs> is probably Mission Impossible, and I've just never heard of it. Let's move on. Alperin Shengun, Houston Rockets. How are you feeling about him? Can I can I kick something your way, Ben? Sure. I got maybe a spicy question here. We're going back into the kitchen. And I'm gonna see what you're gonna fire up on this episode of Chopped. Um it almost feels sacrilegious saying something like this out loud, so prepare yourself. Do you think the Rockets can make the playoffs this year, Ben? I By playoffs, do you mean the play-in game, or do you mean... What do you mean? I, I, I count the play-in game. I'll count the play-in game. So sure. top 10 in the West? Yeah. I think they can. 10. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I think they can. I haven't wow. fully mapped it out 
maybe I should do that so it doesn't feel like I'm putting my foot in my mouth any more than I usually do. But here's the thing with this team. They are now filled with players who can play basketball in most of the positions on the court most of the time, which is a huge change from where they've been in the past. I mean, the new player or players that they've added, just getting like Fred Van Vliet as a ballast, as a solid starting point guard, steer the ship, um, you know, and, and he's a small guy and he has weaknesses because that he has weaknesses defensively, but he also understands the game. He knows how to play certain positions. He knows how to communicate. He knows how to recognize coverages. And on offense, he's a good shooter and he's hit pull-up threes and he can run the offense. Then you get a guy like Dylan Brooks who, I mean, you want to talk about shooting improvements. I don't, I don't know if any of that's real. I don't know what's going on because doesn't he? Have, I feel like he has the exact same form mm-hmm. that he's had in the past, but he's shooting like ninety-two percent from downtown to start the year. It's pretty weird, but obviously Dylan Brooks is a is a pain in the butt defensively, mm-hmm. um, h- hounding people, and he's played on good teams like that before. And so that's another guy. And you know, Ime Udoka there has got a got a system that. He's been great defensively. He came from a defensive lineage of coaching trees, and he was great defensively in Boston, and he has the Rockets playing well defensively. Uh, Jabari Smith is in that role, you know, as a starting four and giving them solid minutes. So Jeff Green off the bench is another veteran who can do stuff. And um, another thing I loved was moving Jalen Green away from the ball. I remember turning on their first preseason game, Fred Van Vliet has the ball more. Shengun has the ball more. And Jalen Green off the ball. And I'm going, oh, this this is giving me Iverson 99 flashbacks. Like, this feels right. Like, get yes, yes. J- activate Jalen Green's athleticism and his ability to get downhill in the handoff game and things like that. And don't tax him with the decision-making part of the game. So it's a lot of addition by subtraction for the Rockets. And then the last piece to me is Alpern Shengun. And we talked about him last year, obviously, a very fun, interesting player, but he continues to grow. One, he's been good enough defensively, right? So he's held up defensively. So now you are able to have a defensive system in Houston that is passable and may actually be good. And Cody, I mean, like, if you can build a good defense around Alper and Shengun, then He's he's a really good player, right? His 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 ceiling as a player is really expansive to me because on the offensive end and credit to the coaching staff, you can just run a ton of offense through this guy. And last year uh whenever the Rockets ran through him as like the direct centerpiece of the system, even though Houston had a really bad team and a really poor offensive rating, the Shengun specific actions were really, really efficient. They were like some of the most efficient actions in the league. And if you turn on any Rockets game right now, what you'll see is the ball goes through him a decent amount, but this court is always wide open. There's always that room to breathe because Shengun is lifted up at the elbow or the three-point line. You can give him the ball at the top of the key. You can play handoff game. He can pass. And then he can back in and get to his post game and his push shot. And he's just smart about his shot selection and when to dime up his teammates and... um yeah, it's 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 good stuff so far. I'll talk about the defense in just a second, but offensively, like you said, well, first of all, quirkiness I appreciate. Every jump shot, like near the top of the key, is an adventure. It's like, is he going to go off one foot today? Is he going to use his offhand, or is this just going to be a floater? Like all of it's just very exciting. Like whenever he decides to take that shot, and then like you said, he. We talk about Jokic being like, uh, and again, I think it, I think our word of like the season has been passe so far. But I think it's passe at this point to be like, oh, he's just like a you know poor man's Jokic type of thing. But like the short mid range game for him has improved significantly, and that's one of those numbers that I'm keeping my eye on because he's doing a really good job of getting his. You know, he's huge, Ben, and I thought I've heard that he's grown throughout the season. He's super long, so when he gets down like a few feet away from the basket, not right underneath, but in that short mid-range area. He's currently shooting 57% at that area. And out of 125 players in the league that have taken over three short mid-range shots per 100 possessions, that's 10th in the league right now. That's 10th. Like, that's a really efficient shot. And when you combine that with a guy that, like, 
you know, if you play him in single coverage, he can take that shot. But if you try and rotate a defender to do something about it, he's going to find an open player. And with somebody like Jalen Green being off ball, who can cut in, he can explode like he's able to do and get to the basket. Like, it just opens up a lot of doors for them, right? I think he's shooting like 60% from long mid-range. That's not sustainable. Like, that's just that's not going to hold up. I think he's been in like the low 30s his last couple of seasons. But uh, yeah, defensively, I think his length shocks people. Like, that's something that I've been noticing is when he goes to contest people, it's like, oh, wow, he's all of a sudden, like, at their apex, like, bothering them. So across the board, Shangoon just looks significantly better than last year. Yeah, I think def- defensively can still be a little bit of a mixed bag mm-hmm. just because of the athletic traits and things like that. So sometimes you're near the basket. It's the same thing with Jokic. Sometimes you're near the basket. You just don't have that apex, you know, high contest on a shot or a block, or the ability to deter the team from shooting in the paint. But like you said, he does have possessions that catch people off guard. I think his positioning has been bad. I think all of the Rockets, from what I've seen, uh, you don't have the colossal defensive breakdowns that you have in the past. And then on the offensive side, to your point, uh, when you say when you make the comparison to Jokic, there are obvious things there. You know, last year we did the whole Bizarro Jokic thing. But I think what's more important, what's more instructional is the archetype. Mm. It has nothing to do with the fact that they have similarities. It's like, what happens when you can run the offense, when your center becomes the centerpiece of the offense? That's what's so interesting. Defensive stars used to be big men, or big men used to be defensive stars. And now... We have these big men that are offensive centerpieces that you're almost trying to protect defensively and hold water defensively. So the cool thing to me about the Rockets in terms of legitimately being a team that could get into the 40s in wins and like make the you know top 10 in the West or something like that, because uh, I do think they're going to be competitive throughout the year, whether it trails off like Utah last year or not is a question. But the cool thing is, if you put enough defensive players out there on the floor and you defend well enough as a team, I think you have a nice floor for an offense with Shengun basically as the centerpiece, even if that floor is league average. A league average offense and a slightly above average defense should be a playoff team. And I think that's what's really cool about this start to the season where they've won six in a row uh, and they look pretty competitive because that's sustainable for the year. And going into the season, I was more excited about their defense. Like, I thought their defensive personnel was such that I'm like, okay, this would be a pretty good team. And they've shown it. They're, what, they're four points, four, almost four and a half points better than <laughs> league average on defense. But offensively, they're hovering just around league average. There's a lot of room for growth there. And that's a lot of room for growth that I see being able to happen, right? Like, it's not like a like an off chance that they pull it off. So this team, I don't know, this team could be pretty dangerous if they if they play their cards right. Yeah. Uh, one final thought here is that Shengun does have um, sort of like, as we said, mixed bag numbers when we look at our rim protection numbers. So we'll see how well that defensive value can hold up. But they're they're really fun. Okay. Anyone else you want to get to before we uh, before we rip off some ballots here at the end of the show? Wow. I think there's a guy I should probably bring up at this point. Um, surprised you haven't brought him up yet. But let's let's just do it. Let's have the conversation, Ben. Um, our second Tyrese of the conversation. How do you feel about Mr. Tyrese Maxey, Mr. 76er? He would be the 76er of this year, by the way. Like, he's an example of somebody that would win that award. So how do you feel about Tyrese Maxey? Has he been playing well? He, he's made a couple shots, I think. I think people have told me that he dropped 50 points, and I think people are impressed with that. And James yeah. Harden is no longer there. So, yeah, yeah, I think so. This is just more that scoring bias that people like. You know, you, you just come out yeah. and start averaging 28 points a game. Mm-hmm. out of nowhere and you know your James Harden leaves and you're you replace him and the team gets better and all that stuff he doesn't um, try like anywhere else he's not really doing anything on defense he has no passing vision it's just all just just the scoring game is blinding people so let's do our ranking this is Maxi. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think he's been uh, fantastic yeah yeah. I think he's been fantastic and he's on trajectory for an all-star. And I think that hits all the sweet spots and checks all the boxes. His, um, he's had more opportunity, of course, with Harden gone. And with more opportunity, you know, he's taken advantage of it. And you'd get this jump from wherever he was last year, 20 points a game, 
to uh, he is at 28 per game. I, I actually I just made that up off the top of my head, but he is at 28 <laughs> per game shooting. Here's the fun thing about Tyrus Maxey. Mm-hmm. The shooting is ridiculous, mm-hmm. like ridiculous. He's a career 42 percent three point shooter. If you look at our board, it's not like off the charts. Steph Curry, the best shooter ever, but 39% on pull-up threes over the last three years. That's in the 86th percentile. And 44% on wide-open threes. That's in the 87th percentile. He has good volume on those. He can hit mid-range shots. Obviously, that floater game is a huge part of it. So downhill speed, floater game, the shot, the confidence, the quickness to get them off. And then I think Nick Nurse has helped quite a bit. We may have some more content on that coming up because that offensive system is just more fluid. It's more dynamic. And I think it's made things easier for him and taken advantage of some of his strengths. And, and he's been, he's been really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hope people picked up on the sarcasm earlier. I don't want all of Philadelphia coming at me. Tyrese Maxey has looked fantastic. And I think the scoring thing is actually really interesting. And I, the thing about numbers this early in the season, why I held an embargo for so long, but you know, I'm dabbling in it a little bit more <laughs> is he actually scored more and in higher efficiency in the with Embiid minutes last season than he is this season. And that includes the that that's just the James Harden is off the court last season numbers, right? So it was just Maxi and Embiid scored more and on higher efficiency and they had a higher net rating, right? But I think the thing that's really boosting his scoring this season is when Embiid is off the court right now, he's currently scoring 42.7 points per 75 on 72% true shooting. Sorry, what? Yeah, 42 points per 75? Per 75. It blew my mind. I double-checked it like 500 times. I'm sure it's changed because I think they may have played yesterday, so I think I checked it before that game, but that is absurd scoring. Like, this is a guy that, you know, I think initially... When I was really excited about him last year, what I really liked is his ability to fit next to other high-end offensive players, right? And he could catch the defense off guard, and then he could just, like, dart in there and score. But now, he's, like, the guy initiating a lot of that action. And I don't know, one of the actions that they're doing, they do this little, like, this pitching action, Ben. There's, it's not quite a handoff. They're just like, oh, there's Maxi, and Bede's going to dribble, and he's going to throw it to him. And Maxi's going to start running, and he gets it, and all of a sudden, he's downhill. Right. And once Maxi starts getting downhill, he's unstoppable because, like you said, that floater game, it's unbelievable. He's uncorking it with his right hand, with his left hand. It's like a very Clyde Drexler 90s kind of look where he's like mm. going with the scoop. It It's just incredible what he's able to do. The passing is improved, that scoring aspect, the shooting, like you said. Uh, yeah. Tyrese Maxi's looked fantastic this season. I have one more name before we, uh, before we sort out a ballot. You have another name. Yeah, I have another name. Yes, he is. He is a uh, Japanese Vinnie Johnson. How about that? I'm Cody has no idea what I'm talking about. I, th- I think I do. Think do I, you know who I'm talking about? Does he play for a hot state? He does not play for a hot state. No, who, who, who are you talking not. about? Cam Thomas was born in Japan, and oh, Cam wow. Thomas has some serious microwave to his game. You absolutely, you toasted me on this one, Ben. You toasted me on this one. Cody, are you aware that Cam Thomas is averaging 27 points per game? I'll be honest with you. I was not aware of that fact. (laughs) Um, I was not aware of that. Yes. Cam Thomas is now in the starting lineup for the Nets. And he is like, I'm not going to say, because I think Vinnie Johnson was was a better player back for those bad boys Pistons teams. But like, he has come out of the gate. And he is an old-fashioned microwave gunslinger. That that is a really mixed metaphor. I just came up with a microwave is a very modern <laughs> thing that instantly heats up, which is Cam, Cam Thomas. But he also plays like a gunslinger, so he's just throwing stuff in the microwave and putting it on high right away. Um, he just gets in the game and starts launching. He, very one-dimensional, right? He is not looking to pass. Someone, we might have to add this, someone came up with this idea of a great stat called like gunner rating. It's basically looking at the percentage of shots you take versus the time you touch the ball and have have the ball in your mm-hmm. possession and end up passing it versus end up shooting it. And Cam Thomas was, I think, at the top of the league because he just fires away. 29 points per 75 on positive efficiency right now for the Nets. Uh, 49% from the mid-range and he's near the top of the league in mid-range volume. He loves to cook and jack 
from the mid-range, and he can get to the basket because all kind of like high-arcing floaters and weird feel and things like that. Um, yeah, this is the classic scoring boost on a team that needs it. They they need someone to come in and score a bunch of points. And where he finishes, it, it may end up being based on where the Nets finish and stuff like that. But he's another guy smack in the middle of my radar. I find this really interesting because uh, while the numbers, like the numbers you look at, they look a lot different. But I'm like, does he look that much different from last year? Like, I feel, didn't Cam Thomas at some point last year, he had like three or four straight 40-point games or something like that. And like, oh, Cam Thomas is here. To me, like, he hasn't really added anything that's made me be like, oh, this is a different player from what I was seeing. There's no more tricks in the bag. There's no more bunnies coming out of the hat here. Uh, So he, he wasn't quite on my radar when I was looking at players. But he shoots more. Yeah. And he and he and he puts the ball in the basket more. That's the he does more of the Cam Thomas things. It's the it's the Tyrese Halliburton corollary. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think I think we've teased it long enough, Cody. Okay. Let's figure out your ballot. Let's hear it. Have I changed your mind on anything today? What's I, it gonna be? This is a really cocky sounding thing, Ben, but I almost <laughs> changed my mind on something here today. Um, I'm really struggling with my fifth spot. I'm can really you, struggling. Can, can you remind everyone of the scoring rubric that we will be using? Yes. When the powers that be come to get our receipts at the end of the year? That's a great point. So how this is going to work is Ben and I are both going to predict the top five placers in most improved players. That's going to happen at the end of the season. If we guess the winner correctly, we get five points. Okay. If we guess anyone else in their proper position, we get three points. And if we guess just somebody that generally lands in the top five, like if we say they're going to be number five and they end up being number two, we get one point for that. So that's our scoring system for this little exercise we're doing. Okay. Uh, are you ready? I think I'm ready. Yeah, I'm. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Let I'll, I'll start us off. I'll start us off. And number five. Wait, we do it one order at a time. Is that how we do it? Like I do five, and then you do five. Yeah, like, yeah. And then four, let four, me, three, three. Let me bring up. Let me bring up the ballots. We, you know what? We also forgot to do. I have what? a giant note here that says oh. remind people when we did the defensive player of the year ballots. Oh, yeah. Yes, right after yeah. we went off air, Cody and I were talking. I did not like my ballot being similar to his, and he granted me a change. He allowed me to swap out. Draymond Green and I booted him out and I put Evan Mobley in the exact same place. Um, so we should we should document that for anyone yeah. trying to come back and tell tell me how wrong I'm going to be in five months, which is only five months away. You don't have to wait that long. Okay, and so, it was like right away, people. Like the, the episode ended, we said our goodbyes, and then like five minutes later, I got a text. It's like I made a mistake. I want to. Can I have an Evan Mobley on my ballot? So this is this is good. We're okay with it. Yeah, no, Cody was nice enough to grant it. Um, and it. And it happened right after that episode. So, okay. Uh, number five for me, I am going to go with my guy, Jalen Johnson, at number five. Okay. Yep. okay. Um, I'm going to go with my first instinct here. I'm going to leave someone off that's going to hurt. For number five, I'm doing a different Jalen, and I'm doing Jalen Duran at number five. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. I wonder if, yeah, with. I would like to see a defensive player get get props like that. That would be I great. Just, the whole Detroit of it all, the whole Detroit of it all makes me a little bit nervous. And ben, we can talk about it a little bit more, Ben, so I'll jump ahead because my number four is actually Jalen Johnson. My number okay. Four, yeah. Okay. I just think this is a guy that's going to leave a nice taste in people's mouths because he's, you know, fantastic throughout the season. And I know it doesn't factor into it, but we're going to see a little bit more from him in the playoffs. And yeah, that actually doesn't factor in at all, Ben. Forget that I said that. That was a dumb thing to say. That's a, a dumb thing to say. Uh, that's when you know we're near the end of the show. Okay. I This is this uh, this one's hard for me. I, okay. I like my top three. I'm not sure about this one. I think I'm going to go Scotty Barnes at number four. Okay. You're going Scotty Barnes. At yeah. Yeah. I think I... The whole all-star and where the Raptors thing throws me a little bit, but he looks okay. really good. He looks yeah. so good. This yeah. is We're right next to each other, Ben. Scotty Barnes is number three for me. Okay. Scotty Barnes okay. is number three for me. I, everyone knows what's happening. You're just wait. This is like the chess, when you play nine chess grandmasters at the same time, but you just play them against each other and you make <laughs> it look like you're playing them. Cody's just waiting for my move and then he's moving yep. it against. <sighs> okay. it's, the, it's the price is right. The price is right strategy. I'm just going to go one above you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do it, Cody. I'm going to do it. 
I think the big points per game, the New York market. Yes. 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 I, I'm going Cam Thomas, number three. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. my goodness. You're putting him at number three. Yep. Good. Yep. I'm, I'm so happy for you. I'm so glad that we have a different name on here. That's great. You can't copy me anymore. I did that. No. I did that just to throw you off. And number two, I have Cam Thompson. That, that's a joke. What, what did we just say? We talked about number three. You you have Jalen Duran, Jalen Johnson, Scotty Barnes. Yep. You're running out of Jalen's to use in the league. There's only eleven more people named Jalen. Okay. <laughs> number two, Ben. Um, going Elper and Shangun for number two. Okay. Going Elper and Shangun. Uh, I'm so mad right now. <laughs> so mad, Cody. Because you so want to mad. put him at number two? Because Alperin Shengun is my number two. Of course he is. This is so ridiculous. What did I tell you? What did we say the percentage odds were we had the same number one? What did I put it at? You said 77%. So low. I wanted to go 97. <sighs> this is was, annoying. I'm so annoyed by you. I'm so annoyed. This sucks. This is your fault. This is your this fault. Is your fault. <laughs> we, we, need, we need someone that's not on the podcast that thinks a little bit differently. We need like yeah. a guest to like pop in. Perhaps a disembodied voice to come in and then have their own list, but maybe another day that'll be so. Planned. So we both agree that Tyrese Halliburton's number one. Yeah. No, oh, you don't actually mean that, do you? <laughs> no, of course oh, not. You caught yeah. me off. Uh, I did. I was. I was thinking I about putting him at number five. I, got I was you thinking for about having him at five. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Tyrese Maxey's. Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey's number one. So, so Cody has Jalen Duran, Jalen Johnson, Scotty Barnes, Alperin Shengun, and Tyrese Maxey, and I have Jalen. Johnson, Scotty Barnes, Cam Thomas, Alperin Schengen, Tyrese Maxey. Um, to support the, to support this show, check out patreon.com slash thinking basketball. Uh, that's where you can find all of our stats that we reference throughout the show that we use to research videos. Uh, one of the things that helped me a ton for this episode and just in general at the beginning of the year, Cody, is the ability to compare to last season and prior seasons. I think that's really cool and helpful. Patreon.com slash thinking basketball. Check that out. Uh, otherwise, how, how do you how do you feel this one went? I think the discussion was really great. I, I genuinely thought the actual meat of this was great, but the fact that we just had like four of the same five players kind of that blows. It's hor- it's horrible. It just sucked all the air out of the room. Yeah. We should we should probably burn this episode. We shouldn't even release it. Or just like cut it off right before we actually do the rankings. Yeah. I'm looking. Yeah. MVP is not going to be any fun to talk about. That I enjoyed the discussion. I enjoyed the discussion. It was like having a great meal and then ending on the wrong flavor. That's what it felt like. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What can you think of like a flavor that would be wrong for a particular meal? Like what? What are you talking about? Here? I think some meals, if you had a licorice flavor at the end of the meal, that could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what would go wrong. I think most flavors are wrong with licorice or like. What is it? If you're like, oh, I'm going to end this nice brushing of my teeth with a great tall glass of orange juice. Orange like, juice, that wouldn't, yeah. That wouldn't end. Yeah. Well. I don't think most people consider uh, brushing their teeth a meal, though, Cody. So that- <laughs> <laughs> Those people are not living the wonderful minty flavor at the end. That's a meal in itself. You got to enjoy every moment as a meal, people. Every moment's a meal. Uh, thanks, as always, for uh, listening all the way through on this one. And as always, uh, we hope you are having a great day. <laughs>